Welcome to today's episode of More Than The Name podcast. Today, we are joined by the right-handed pitcher of the Baltimore Orioles organization, Morgan McSweeney. Morgan, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so we're just going to get right to it. Sophomore in high school, you're at St. John's of Shrewsbury, kind of a premier uh, high school in Massachusetts, and baseball tryouts come around, and you get cut. Take us through that day of getting cut, and you know, baseball is your life now, but at then, it might have been in question. Yeah, for sure. So it was actually my junior year at St. John's. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that point, I wasn't sure by any means like where baseball would take me, if it would take me anywhere. So to get cut from my high school team was like at that point, for all I knew, that was sort of the end of baseball. Um, so, I mean, my my goals at that point were basically just to get a little bigger, get a little stronger to try and try and play high school baseball the next year. Um, but at that point, yeah, I didn't know where even the next that summer was going to take me the next six months how things were going to kind of change and blow up and get recruited to another high school and and kind of how my life would change in that way but yeah at the time being um for all I knew I was kind of done with baseball I still I still knew I had baseball left in the tank in terms of like amateur travel ball and in high school hopefully for a season or maybe two but outside of maybe walking on somewhere d3 i didn't have any real aspirations at that point all right so you know tryouts are march or so so you, you know all your friends or maybe not all your friends but a lot of your friends that play baseball are still you know going to the team going to practice everything like, yeah. how did you kind of keep your head up because you still went to school right so you still yeah. saw the kids uh so exactly. how did you kind of keep your head up through that last you know what three four months yeah um, you know, it was a big that. part of it was was everyone down at Cressy just talking. To, I remember I called Matt Blake, who's the the Yankees pitching coach now, but he was just the pitching coach at Cressy at the time. And I remember I called him like the day after, and I was like, "Is this gonna like? Can I still? Because I was playing Roughnecks. He was the coach of Roughnecks at that point. Yeah. I was like, "Can I still like play Roughnecks and stuff?" And he was like, "Dude, you're overreacting. Like, relax." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so I kind of called him, but just leaning on I mean I was going to Cressy every day and at that point it's it's their downtime of the year where they're not having catchers or really have even lessons um because everyone's playing whether it's 12 year old little league or travel baseball I was throwing into the net every day in there and just lifting five days a week um while everyone else was playing was practicing and playing uh high school baseball so just leaning on Eric and he was he was really instrumental in sort of making phone calls for me and getting in touch with coaches and getting people to look at me um, and then just still getting coached by Blake and, and kind of trusting that he'd get me to the point where I could make a run at it next year, make a high school team or something like that. So definitely I'd say Crossy, I was going in there every day and just kind of grinding, grinding. And then, you know, you, old people oh. who were grinding after work. <laughs> <laughs> you transfer to Worcester Academy, you know, looking for that second chance. Uh, talk about that transition, you know, for anyone changing high schools and then, not only changing high schools, but you're trying to make a new name for yourself after getting cut. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was, it was a, it was different for sure. A going to a co-ed school versus like an all boys high school. It was like, it was very different. Um, but it was cool. Um, getting a, getting a fresh start. I kind of had some steam going in there from the summer and, uh, I went to Jupiter, I think it was like September of my second junior year and was popping like 92s down in Jupiter. And so, you know, the buzz was kind of like, who, who's this kid who just transferred here who like didn't make his high school team last year that's throwing 92 now for Roughnecks. Um, so it was fun, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely enjoyed just going somewhere where 
I mean, Luke can probably talk about it. Like the jump to St. Mark's, it's just sort of different. Like kids go there to play sports, right? So you go there and there's the baseball kids and, and they're there for the sole purpose of like getting recruited and trying to get better. So it was definitely a different experience versus where St. John's was an academic school first over baseball, even though it's a really good sports school. So there was definitely more of an emphasis on baseball. It seemed like it was more of a year round thing there. Most kids would only play, you know, football or baseball versus St. John's kids would go football, basketball, they're jumping around sports. So it was, it was a different feel. It was almost more like a college feel, especially with kids living there. Um, And I think that it definitely like set a mindset for me that like this was getting a little more serious, started getting recruited and got to a place where it was a little more serious. So talent was definitely better because kids were, you know, 18, 19 year old uh, postgrads and whatnot. So it was cool. I really, I really like Worcester Academy. And I, you know, I can almost, I remember that because, you know, we grew up in Hudson together and then we both went different high schools. I saw you got cut. And then I think I saw that same tweet that the kids of Worcester Academy saw. Uh, Morgan McSweeney, you know, yeah. top 92. And I, I was double taped. I'm like, is this the same Morgan McSweeney? That, you know? and so, it was out of nowhere for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Thrown at, at Cressy. It's not like I had a, like, I mean, it, it was also what? 2015. There was, it's not like I had a pocket radar in my backpack to set up. I was blind right. drawing into a net for six months. Right. And then basically the first time I threw in a game again, it was like, I think that, that, that spring when I got cut, I was probably like 82, 85. And it was like 86, 92 as a 17 year old. I was like, we might want to check on that gun. Like <laughs> anything. Right. And then, so you jump from that and then you're getting recruited, you know, you took a visit, you know, you took a visit to a bunch of schools around the country, but you know, yeah. well, you know, they just came off the national championship. Talk a little bit about the recruiting process. You know, it's different for everyone, but your yeah. personal experience and just building relationships with coaches and how you picked out ultimately ended up on Wake Forest, you know, was it obviously baseball academics and kind of yeah. how your made a player played a role in that. I would say out of everything, switching high schools, um, the draft, like getting recruited by colleges was the most hectic of it all. Like it's just constantly, like, I remember too, I got recruited a little bit because I was also fringy, whether I was a 2015, 2016, that summer so like coaches could reach out to me but they also technically couldn't it was kind of weird so it was sort of it was sort of in between that summer and as soon as September 1st hit my my second junior at Worcester Academy it was like phone calls emails texts because it was they were legal um and I remember that game that I was in Jupiter that I hit 92 we had like a double header and I remember I was like high on life coming off the field like talking to Blake talking to like my dad and I checked my email and I had a email from Hobbs who was the pitching coach at Wake at the time who was at Arkansas now and he sent me it was like the first like real big school that had offered me he sent me like this super just casual email he was like hey Morgan give me a call I'll just watch you pitch like I'm walking over <laughs> I'm like okay this is sick and that was kind of so they were on me like from the start and then kind of coming off that because it was also like the last outing of the year so nothing really happened until the spring right. but sort of coming off that I made a bunch of visits because a lot of schools were like, who is this kid? Like, let's get, cause it's also, I'm going to, everyone knows you're going to commit that junior spring. So it's like, they'd seen me once, but now it's like, I'm not going to pitch again for five months till the spring. So I made a ton of visits. We were basically, we were on the road like every weekend kind of, we had to pick and choose too, like right. where we were. Cause we only had a, a, especially being in school, like you only had a finite amount of weekends to go, right. go travel. Um, with with high school so 
literally just traveling all the time and then um, kind of narrowed it down to Duke, BC, Vandy, and Wake. And then that early spring, they were kind of making the rounds, coming to see me. And then from there, I think I committed like a couple weeks left in the season, my junior season. Wake was getting to the point where they were kind of like, hey, we got to do something with this money. They offered me pretty early on um, and kind of gave me a soft deadline. And I was like, I just knew like that wasn't one I wanted to to let slip through. So I just kind of sent it with that before other schools were even to the point where they offered me. So I think when it came down to it, I only had offers from Northeastern and, and Wake. I had a couple that they were like, hey, let us know when you're ready. But it was pretty quick with Wake. I committed before I even kind of got going with some other schools. So, And obviously the scholarship is nice to have to not worry about academics and paying for college. But how did you form those relationships with the coaches at Wake Forest and what kind of set them apart from the other programs recruiting you? Yeah. Um, so there was definitely an emphasis on like, if I'm going to go somewhere that has competitive baseball, like there's enough good schools that were reaching out to me that I was going to balance academics with it. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to look at the, no disrespect, but I'm not going to look at like Ole Miss or Louisville, sort of the lower tier academic schools. I was going to kind of strive to, to play myself into a school. I wouldn't have got in on, with my grades. Um, and then I just, I, I like the coaches at Wake. The campus was really cool. It was a little smaller compared to, it's a small school in the ACC. So it felt a little more cozy compared to some other schools that were just massive. Um, and then they, at the time they didn't have real great facilities, but they had like these crazy plans to build all this stuff. Um, and it, they had it done by the time I was on campus which was, was a, a game changer at the time. It was like the, it was like head and shoulders, the best facilities in the country besides maybe a handful. Um, so it was kind of just the perfect storm at the time. It might be a little tougher decision if I had to go through it again now, just because of the way things have progressed the past few years. But at the time, Wake was kind of checked every box that I needed. Um, it was a pretty easy choice. Awesome. So you make that commitment, you go through your junior year, summer, going to senior year, you're right. You're getting some MLB draft buzz. Right. And, and, you know, people who might not be familiar, you know, you, high school, high school seniors can get drafted once they're 18, you know, they, they're draft eligible, forego their commitment to college. And that's kind of a messy process within itself. Um, so can you just kind of talk about, you know, how you have ML, MLB teams are approaching you and how you dealt with it and whether you were going to go, you know, if you got drafted, were you going to sign, go to school? You'll obviously ultimately go yeah. to school, but just kind of walk us through maybe that the decision process. Yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot like college, just in terms of like it was area scouts from the Northeast that kind of tell you that you got they have some buzz on you, um, and it, it never really picked up that much for me in high school. I was kind of a guy that needed the college development and get a little more body, beautiful, put on some put on some meat, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the, I mean the process is it's like anything else. They they see if you're a guy that'll sign for a Snickers bar and a plane ticket, just cause if they can get you, they'll get you. <laughs> um, and as soon as they kind of know that you're not going to do that, I think I put a, I put a million bucks out there or something just cause I was like, if I'm going to sign out of high school, it's gotta be kind of life changing money. Right. Um, and I mean that the way I was in high school, that scared people off. So it was pretty, it was a pretty easy process. And then you go to Wake Forest five and one freshman year, Take us through your transition to freshman year and what advice you would give to freshman athletes, baseball, or even other sports, you know, to try to make the most of their freshman year, make an impact and succeed. Yeah, for sure. I can't, so when I got to Wake in the fall, I think I was like one of the, the higher kind of echelon recruits. 
Um, so they had me penciled in as a starter and kind of big expectations. And I got pummeled my freshman, freshman fall, like demolished, like velo was down a little bit just cause you're, they grind to college baseball. It's sort of being in class for six hours a day and then going to the field for six hours. It's just kind of, you don't get that experience in high school. Um, along with like, you walk in at six, six, three, one eighty, and they're like, you got to put 40 pounds on by the spring. Like you're, you're getting after in the weight room and like you're sore. So it wasn't, it's, I think at a lot of places that it's, they're not exactly trying to set you up for success in the fall. They're trying to set you up for the spring. So for, from my experience, freshmen struggle a lot in the fall, whether it's just balancing academics and the social atmosphere, that kind of stuff. Um, along with like, you're not going to feel your best every day. So you can't really take the performance aspect of it. You're not going to put up all American numbers in the fall and inner squads, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I went home and, and hit the gym hard, kind of back to my roots at Cressy and came back and was throwing 93, 95 and penciled my way into sort of a back end of the bullpen guy and ups and downs of freshman year, kind of like anything else, but it was actually one of my best years in college. Um, overall ended up getting to a super regional played at some really cool places. So it all ended up in the end, but yeah, in the fall, it was, it was a struggle. I remember there was like one outing where I started against our Friday guy. And I don't think I got out of the, I didn't get two outs. Okay. I was like, I suck, dude. <laughs> I was like, I should have not have come here. Like this stinks. But how do you get over that hump of the mental block? So you get, you know, possibly shelled in that inning. You don't even complete the inning that mental self-talk of I suck, sure. maybe this isn't for me. What kind of, you know, keeps you going through that? It's not the first time you've had that with St. Yeah, John's, like we said before. I think it was just, I mean, getting back to like your process, they kind of, they, they give you a good foundation at wake in terms of like, how do you kind of self-correct and f- take the good things and build off those and scrap the bad things. And a big part of it again was just like getting stronger and making making those small misses a little better. If you're stronger in the the 89 down the middle is 94 down the middle, you get away with it a little more. So it was just kind of getting stronger and having a stronger foundation to, to build off of and then sharpening the corners around that. And then, you know, moving forward in your college career, let's go to junior year, you get ready. You know, so now as mentioned high school, if you, if you go to college, you got to wait till after junior year, then you become draft eligible. Yeah, or 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so going into that year, you knew that, you know, you were draft eligible. How did you kind of prepare for that? You know, you battled some injuries in the fall, back after the summer, um, when you're in the Cape, you know, the Cape League, and then kind of how you stayed on track um, throughout that season, kind of battled through uh, to get to the draft. Yeah, my my junior season was kind of a nightmare. Like, just I kind of scrapped the summer. I went to the Cape and threw like three innings, but had like pretty nasty shoulder tendonitis um, to the point where like I couldn't even throw 90 feet in the Cape. So shut it down then hit PT pretty hard, but got back in the fall and like, it was still nagging pretty good. So it was like, I was throwing and I threw in scout day and stuff, but it was like, it was a, a much less like explosive version of myself on the mound. So going into the spring, um, kind of, kind of cleaned it up, was finally healthy again, but it's just tough. Like not throwing. It was different when I got cut from high school and I could like work on stuff every day, but when you're kind of shut down, Right. And like for an extended period of time, I kind of lost, like lost the mechanics, lost kind of the explosiveness, especially when you're not able to lift the way you want to. Um, and so I went into the spring and I was really, really good the first like four weeks of the season, but I just didn't have like the stamina to really um, like 
do it for the whole year. So towards the end of the year, I was like thrown out of the pen a little. I went, I started opening day through like seven and two thirds against Sacred Heart, who's like a little school, but just like, I looked like I was Corey Kluber on the mound, like just dominating. And then by the end of the year, I was like getting mop up innings on week weekdays just to like try and get some feel. Um, and it was just like, I, I just felt in the funk. It was almost like I had the yips. Like I just didn't feel like I could throw breaking balls and like throw, I, I couldn't like reach back and get the 97 that I normally had. Cause I'd be throwing it to the backstop and stuff. And then I swear it was like, as soon as I got drafted, um, I put on like an Orioles uniform and I just like kind of reset me like nothing. I didn't change anything. No mechanical changes. The walks were like way down strikeouts were way up. It was like, I just needed to kind of a change of scenery at the end of that somewhere that didn't remind me of all the times I was getting shelled when my shoulder was killing me. So getting out of there at the end was definitely a good thing, but. And then you drafted 2019 17th round for uh, 498th overall and your first season, you know, 15 appearances, 2-0 record, 30 strikeouts. Take us through that first year, maybe the transition from college ball to professional baseball now. Yeah, it was definitely – it was sort of like the jump from from high school to college again. The the grind of pro ball, is, it's just different. Like, you're at the field from noon to 10 every day, and then you're getting on a bus and driving 13 hours and playing the next day. So, especially in the lower levels, the big leaguers get a nice plane, but – we were it was tough travel and they didn't exactly have the toys that wake had in terms of like weight rooms and you know uh recovery stuff so it was kind of back to the basics in that aspect but they were they were really advanced in terms of like taking uh college guys with with good stuff and kind of refining it um super analytical which was like right kind of in my in my wheelhouse with that that's sort of how i approach things anyway so it was a cool way to to sort of tighten up all the pitches and get stuff going and learn how to mirror them, that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, I went out and threw really well and got promoted at the end of the year to, to full season, pitching the playoffs there, which was fun. And then was looking like I was going to have a big year this year, but we'll just have to wait <laughs> on that. I don't know. I know. And you mentioned kind of the, the grit and grind of Pro Bowl. I remember I wanted to go see you play up in Lowell and I ran to your dad outside of the, outside of the stadium and he starts laughing and he, and we're like, what's going on? He goes, they don't know if they're going to have baseball pants for this game because I think, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget. I forget what happened there. No. Yeah. But that was, I remember that we were in the, in the locker room. It was like Luckily, the dryer broke or something or I don't know. Well, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to pitch that day. So I didn't care at all. I was like, yeah. whatever. I'll sit, I'll sit in the bullpen shorts. But yeah, we were sitting <laughs> in the locker room like 45 minutes before game time. And they were like, the laundry's not here. <laughs> <laughs> we were like what do you mean <laughs> and we had like like a couple guys had pants in their bags that they didn't put through the laundry so they were like gave it to the starter and the catcher and told them to start getting hot but yeah we were in the locker room like 15 minutes before the game didn't have jerseys or anything so yeah it's quite it's quite it's not, it's not it's not as organized as college ball by any means <laughs> but yeah so you kind of mentioned at the end there you know, you were primed to have a big year. I'm sure they had good expectations for you. So you go, did you even make it to extended spring training before they, before they, yeah, we went to, we went to spring training. Well, we, we had early pitchers camp too, which I got invited to. So I was there for two weeks and then spring training started for three days. So I, like I was there for almost three weeks. So it felt a little longer, but most guys were literally there for 72 hours. And then, and then it was just like all hell broke loose. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you what it was like there. They, I remember 
we were in the locker room and they were like, dude, the Red Sox just got sent home. And we're like, no, they didn't. Like, that's not true. That's like your friend's messing with you. Yeah. And then we got to the hotel and they were like, yeah, like, yeah, everyone's getting flights in the morning. Everyone's going home. We're like, no way. And then we woke up. I woke up at 730 to drive home and they were like, don't go anywhere. Like, no one can leave. And we're like, what? (laughs) And so we sat in the hotel for the day. We went to the beach or something. And this is like really like this wasn't it was it was barely even in America yet. We didn't have any idea. And then at the end of the day, they were like, never mind, come to the field right now, get everything you own and go home in the morning. Wow. And they were, they were like, it'll be two weeks. We'll be back. We'll, you'll probably go straight to your assignments. We probably won't do spring training again. And we're like, okay, like, I guess at the end of the day, all like, we just don't have to stay in the hotel anymore. We get to go straight to full season. So it's fine. And then from there, it was like every two weeks, they were like another couple of weeks. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. constant. Um, and until here we are now, and we're, yeah. still, and we're still at another couple of weeks. <laughs> so how, now, we're, now we're worried about the spring next year. So yeah. how have they been able, cause you know, they have a massive, you know, any minor league program for any you know, organization is huge. How yeah. have they kind of been checking in on you guys, making sure you're doing the right thing and, you know, just kind of keeping you guys on a path without really seeing you guys at all. Yep. So they gave everyone sort of a point man based on like geography Um, so the coach I'm in contact with is our Dominican summer league coach, but he lives, he's from West Yarmouth. He just speaks fluid Spanish. Um, (laughs) but so sort of just going back with him, he was like one of our analytics trackman guy last year. So he's like really good to like send video and send data to, um, and just sort of going back and forth with them, staying in touch with like giving them video feedback and stuff like that. But the big thing is just like, sort of similar to like the off season where I got cut in high school, you'll never get six months straight at this point in your life where you're, where you'll be able to work on like consequence free pitches mm-hmm. where for me transitioning from a closer to a starter this year, the big thing was like, you have to throw your changeups in games and you got to get it like a, a bigger breaking ball to go along with the slider. So I worked on that all sort of in game last season in the lower levels that they're kind of like go nuts with it. Like, Right. If it's good, you're not going to get hurt anyway. So just go throw it. We don't care if you put up bad numbers doing it. Right. Um, and then going into the off season, that was kind of the plan. But as soon as stuff got shut down, a big thing was like working on velocity, working on the curveball, working on changeup. And whether it's bullpens or live at bats, like if you give up a bomb, no one finds out about it. So right. <laughs> typically, like in the at, at any level of professional baseball, even like college, you're never going to get a period like this where you can mess around with that stuff. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think next season, like a lot of a lot of minor leaguers will come out with with new toys and looking really good. And then on the flip side of it, you'll see guys that either didn't have access to to get their innings in or get their work in this summer that are going to be a little, a little behind next spring. But I mean, be- and now your fastball is touching 99. Uh, there's a recent video on Twitter. So take us through kind of what you've been doing for training but physically, but also mentally, because obviously they can, this can take a mental toll on you yep. during this time. Yeah. So coming straight back from, from spring training, obviously everything kind of shut down. Massachusetts was a little behind, uh, or actually they were, they were more Florida was fine. When we got back to Massachusetts, everything was already shut down. Yeah. Um, so I got back with Jackson Gillis who went to Vanderbilt, a buddy of mine with the Brewers. And we were just going to, uh, the batting cages that I worked at this winter, literally every day for like three months and just thrown into a net long tossing with each other on the high school field. Like, basically like just doing meathead stuff. They had a little weight room there and we were just doing like 
doing meathead lifts and throwing as hard and far as we could every day. Um, doing a ton of med ball stuff, like just working on explosiveness, not worrying about whether we're throwing strikes, that kind of stuff. And then once stuff kind of started to open up again, we reached out with some college kids, high school kids, a couple of pro guys, and we're getting live at bats going uh, a couple of times a week. So that was a good time to kind of hone everything in and start to see how it looks against hitters. But prior to that, we were literally just like building arm strength. Um, cause that also, that's not like, that's something that we would have done in spring training that we never really got the chance to those four weeks during spring training would have been the time where you kind of take the lifting you've done this off season and transition it to, to baseball. Um, so we kind of just did that over an extended period of time, mixing in some extra lifts, but it was, it was good. It was some good work that I probably wouldn't have got in, um, down in Florida or, or once we got sent off somewhere. So Definitely. And so now we sit here today, you know, obviously the ultimate goal is to make the major leagues. You know, so from here, you know, August 2020 to, you know, when you make your major league debut, I'll say when, not if. You know, what's it going <laughs> to you to get there, in your opinion, uh, from where you're at, you know, on this day? Yeah, I think it's definitely just the consistency with stuff. Um, I've got some really good work with like a curveball changeup this offseason. So being able to to bring that into the game and keeping the hand position and the intent with it once hitters get in the box and in real games and just keeping the work that I've done to get my fastball to the higher velos, keeping that once next spring comes. I think if I showed up and, and did the stuff I did this off season, I think I'll go pretty quick through the levels. So it'll be exciting. Still got to maintain it for like eight months to get there, but <laughs> it's good to see it now and kind of dream on what it'll look like next, next season against other teams. Right. Cause you, and you, then obvi- oh. so you, cause you know, you have it now. Exactly. But now it's like, I wish they had seen this when I did it now. <laughs> How do I make sure that I'm going to do this consistently next spring? Because if I don't, they'll be like, what are, you Photoshop those videos? What was that? <laughs> and then, you know, for all those young listeners possibly out there trying to, you know, be the professional athlete, that's every, basically every kid's dream. What would you say, you know, maybe two tips from a professional athlete that could help them with work ethic and everything? Yeah. I'd say the big thing is just keep having fun with it. Like I, I lost that at sometimes in college where it's like thinking about the bigger picture and like, how am I going to make money doing this? And how do I throw a hundred? But at the end of the day, like you're playing a children's game. Like there are 11 year olds doing this back home. Like you're playing a game for a living or, or, or competitively, like you can't lose the fun in it. And at the end of the day, like, don't get caught up in looking at other people and trying to compare yourself to that. Cause there's a million different ways to do it and be successful and a million different, you don't have to do what the dude on Instagram's doing to, to start throwing hard. Like your process could be completely different. Um, and then don't listen to people who tell you you stink because <laughs> most of the time they don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad, you know, one of us, I remember probably, but 10, 11 years ago at this point, we were probably sitting in your living room <laughs> throwing our arms out playing wee baseball. So I'm glad, we're glad you recovered. We're glad you recovered. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then Morgan, <laughs> how can people find you? my junior Morgan, how can people find you on social ma- media? Maybe reach out, wish you luck, or maybe ask for advice. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Morgan McSweeney on Instagram. I'm pretty good about getting back to kids who 
who aren't chirping me in my DM. So <laughs> anytime in that, I'll probably pop up on your TikTok for you page because I'm verified and a big shot there. But and then Twitter, I think I'm like Mo McSweeney 35 or something. I don't really tweet. Yeah, but we'll tag you in the tweet too. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Morgan, thank you very much for joining us today on More Than The Name podcast. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, fellas. Thanks for having me on.